Well, we have been walking through all summer, as many of you know, we've been walking through the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, kind of walking through what it is that John wants us to understand as the church. And, and so all through the summer, we've been talking about like the things that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to get, need to understand, and most importantly, need to do. That we've been talking through this idea, this concept of, of John as he, as he writes in these three short little letters that he wrote towards the end of his life, challenging us to a, a higher calling, challenging us to a higher level of service and engagement and making a difference. Well, today what I decided to do is kind of uh, turn the page a little bit, kind of go in a little bit different direction, still kind of focusing on what it is that we ended with last week. And in fact, if you go to, uh, you don't need to turn there, we'll put it on the screens, but we ended last week in Revelation chapter 2 as we talked about that church in Ephesus, remember the one that had lost its first love and had moved away from what it was that Jesus wanted them to understand. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, we ended with it last week. I want to start with it this week. Let's put it on the screen. And it just simply says this, remember then how far you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. Now, you'll remember last week as we uh, came to a close in our sermon, we talked about those three words there, remember, repent, and do. Like, like those are the, the, the challenges that John gave to the church at Ephesus to make sure that we remember like what we're supposed to be doing, that we repent of that which we are doing that we should not be doing, and then get back to doing, return to actually do what it is that God has called us to do. Today what I want to talk about is not so much what we need to do, but what we can understand and that we can count on the promises of God that through the Holy Spirit of God what He will do in and through us. So today, I'm not going to talk to you about what you need to do. I'm going to talk to you today about what God promises to do, promises to do through His Spirit. And so that's what we're going to spend some time focusing on today. And so I'm going to read this passage. You can turn with me if you would in your Bibles to John chapter 7. Again, still written by, uh, written by the Apostle John, the one that we've been studying all summer, but again, understanding this, that this is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and so John is writing these words that, that God breathed out to him. And so I want to read from John chapter 7, and we're going to begin with verse uh, 37. And it says this, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, these were the words of Jesus that he very clearly told those that were gathered there at that time. And he said, guys, listen, understand that when you trust in me, when you believe in me, that you're going to be filled with that living water. And he talks about, as he's referring to that statement, the living water, what he's referencing there is the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who would come after him, that God was going to allow us to spend our entire lives walking through this faith journey, this faith life, with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And it says there that Jesus talking about that living water, it then goes on to say, and John said, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. 
Now, you'll notice in that passage, he said the Holy Spirit had not yet come because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And what that means is, of course, is the process that Jesus was about to go through, that he was going to die on the cross for our sins, that he would be buried, and three days later that he would rise again, and through rising again that he would pay the price for our sins, right, that opportunity for that justification. And then when that took place, when he ascended back into heaven, right before he did, he promised that... The Holy Spirit of God was going to come, remember that. It said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The clear statement here is that the Holy Spirit is going to come and do a work in you that you cannot do on your own. And so today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life of what the Holy Spirit, like not only through God's providence, like promises to do what He's capable of doing in your journey. Because let's be honest, when you go back to that statement of Revelation chapter 2, remember how far you've fallen, repent, and do the things that you did at first. Like in our human ability and in our human condition, our human power, like that's a tough thing to do. Because we still struggle with that sinful nature. We still struggle with that, that stuff that is within us. We've talked about it so much this summer, of all these things that we still are, are, are embattled with, like challenged with, like to try to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. We know the Scriptures tell us, John chapter 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Like you know Satan is out to get you. And the closer you get to God, the more you're doing for God, you can also rest assured like the bigger bullseye that's on your back, right? Satan's coming after you and he wants to stop you. And so understanding that in our human condition, this is a struggle. The great promise that God has given to us that Jesus very clearly said here in John chapter 7, oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit, that living water will be within you, and He will give you everything that you need. So let's talk about, like, what can we count on in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? Now, today I'm going to give you lots of Scripture, okay? I mean, you're going to get lots of different verses from lots of different places. If you're going to be trying to follow along in your Bibles, I mean, you're going to be flipping pages like crazy. It's going to keep you cooler because it'll be like a fan, because we're going to go back and forth, lots of different places. But I want to let you know that, you know, all of the notes are online, they're all on the app, you know, you'll all be on the screen. So I just want you to kind of like dial in and rather than trying to follow along and keep, you know, turning pages back and forth, maybe you can just write notes and write them down, go look at them later. But today I want you to be encouraged because in today's world, in today's culture and the challenges that we face, we need to count on the power of the Holy Spirit within us because we cannot do it with out Him. And so that is the thing that today I really want you to walk out of here understanding, wanting you to grab a hold of. Now, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the first thing the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that promise, is promised to us through God's Word, is the promise that He is, has the power to convict, to convert, and to change. Like that's the Holy Spirit's job, to convict, to convert, and to change. We go back to Scripture. We go back to what God tells us in His Word about the work of the Holy Spirit. And it tells us in John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. Now, the words that Jesus has given to us here is like the Holy Spirit, like, like that is the power, that's the promise. Like the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you life. Now, 
Obviously, that statement about life, that talk about life is the idea like of, of not just life like breathing and our heart beating and all of that, but life as far as the relationship to our presence in God, our presence in this world, being a representative of God, and the promise and the hope of eternal life forever. If we uh, flip over in our Bibles to the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 3, there's a passage that I'll read to you here beginning with verse 3. It says this, For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, detesting one another. Now, that is a picture of who all of us were before Christ. Like, it's a picture of what the world is, right? Let me read it again. Verse 3. So, we were two, once, were once foolish and disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Like, that is a, a statement about the human condition. Like, that's the statement about the world in which we live. But listen what it goes on to say. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Now, listen to these words. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, and here it is, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. And so we talk about that statement, the power to convict, to convert, and to change. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's not something that I as a pastor can do for you. I can't like sit up here today and, and preach the Word of God and then come down to you like at the end of the service and like, like just you know, shake you and say, listen, it is time for you to get saved. Like that, that's, I can't do that, right? I mean, I can, but that would be manipulation. That would not be the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, when God's Word is read, I believe Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 very clearly tells us the Word of God is living and powerful, right? And so, when the Word of God is preached, when it's rightly divided according to the Word of Truth that it is, like what that does is it it goes out and it sits on top of the people who hear it. And so, the people in this room and those who are watching right now, wherever they might be, when that message comes and falls on them, there's the work of the Holy Spirit of God that begins to take that message and begins to apply it in your life. And so that thing that you feel sometimes sitting in a worship service when, you know, you hear the Word of God and you're challenged by it and maybe moved by it, maybe convicted by it, like, man, I'm broken because I know I've been doing the wrong thing. Like, I've been walking the wrong path. I've been living, uh, you know, not according to God's Word. That thing that, like, hits you like the gut punch that so often it does, right? Like, that, that's not because of anything that I've said. It's not because of somebody next to you elbowing you. It's because of the Holy Spirit of God who is doing His job. And that is the promise that we are given according to God's Word. In this passage, it tells us, like, like it's through the, the washing of regeneration that it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. His job is to convict you, and He does it so very well. It's His job to bring you to that point where you make the decision, like, man, I know I need a Savior, and I believe that Jesus is the only one who can save me. I believe that He died and that He rose again, so therefore, Father... I pray today, save me through your son, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. And send the Holy Spirit of God to indwell in my life. That is what he does. The power to convict, to convert, and to change. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror. 
at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So his job, in fact, John chapter 16, verse 8 says the Holy Spirit will come. Jesus said he will come and convict the world of their sin, right? So his job is to convict. His job is to convert, to to turn, that idea of repentance, of of turning towards Christ. But then also his job is to change us. And that's the process of sanctification, like of of being set apart, of of growing closer to God. And it says right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, that is what the Holy Spirit of God promises that He will do. It's His job, it's His work, and it's what He is presently active, making it happen in your life, which is what you need to recognize so often, as maybe when you're sitting in a worship service like this one, or in some other place, some other church, or some other gathering, and you feel that that power of the Holy Spirit on you, like trying to convict you and trying to to speak truth into you when you're doing something that you know does not honor God and you're sitting there fighting it. Like, understand, that is the Holy Spirit of God who's hitting you over the head. That's the Holy Spirit of God who's grabbing you by the, you know, by the, the shirt or by the jacket and saying, listen, time, it's time to get things right. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Don't ever ignore that feeling of conviction that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because that's the work of God. That's God trying to make a change in you that you desperately need to make. And so the Holy Spirit, like according to God's words, according to the words of Jesus himself, like that's what he's going to do. The power to convict and to convert and to change. But the second thing that we get, the second idea of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the power to teach. Like in other words, we talked about that sanctification moment a moment ago, is like, like God promises through His Spirit like to, to change us, and, and of course the way He changes us is that He continually teaches us what we need to learn. Look what it says in John chapter 16, in verses 13 through 14, it says these words, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that's a, not only a great promise, it's also like a, a kind of like something I I really want, like, right? I, I, I desire that in my life because I know like left to my own devices, like I'm gonna blow it. Right? I, I mean, I know me, and I know my faults, and I know my failings, and I know my challenges, and I know that, that if I'm not leaning on the Holy Spirit of God to teach me, to guide me in what I need to learn, I know this, I'm probably going to mess up. And in fact, what John writes about in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, are a lot of leaders within the church that had then kind of pulled away from being led by, guided by, and taught by the Holy Spirit. And they began to do things in their own path, in their own journey. And of course, like those books were written to counter that, to challenge that, because they came up with ideas that aren't in the Word of God. They were things that they came up with on their own, and man, they messed it up. Like, like, remember, and I'm not going to rehearse it, we talked about it so much this summer, like that group of people in the church that thought they knew better than everybody else, right? 
And they were you know, taking people off in a bad direction, a false direction, a wrong direction. Why? Because they stopped letting the Holy Spirit of God guide and teach them, and they tried to do it on their own. And my encouragement to you, according to God's Word, God's encouragement to you, is like, hey, the Holy Spirit has been promised to guide you, let Him. Like, let Him do it. John chapter 14 says that, that He will teach you everything that you need to know. We have the opportunity of God Himself, through His Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, all of us, that we have this incredible gift, this incredible opportunity of knowing that the Holy Spirit today, He wants to teach you what you need to know about God. Man, how cool is that? It's like you've got this, like, you know, the greatest pastor that has ever been born living within you, and he is walking with you every day, and every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he wants to teach you what is right. Like, one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time is Chuck Swindoll. I love Chuck Swindoll. I mean, how many of you have listened to his show? You know, I mean, I mean a great, great preacher, teacher, uh, pastor, Bible teacher. I mean, I've been so encouraged by so much of what he's done through the years. It's like Chuck Swindoll is like decided, hey, I'm going to come hang out with you in Lynchburg. I'm just going to like drive around with you all day, and I'm going to hang out with you at the house, and like, like whenever you have a question, like I'm there, I'm going to be with How cool would that be? How awesome would it be that Chuck Swindoll, like, you know, you're driving along in the car and you have a thought, like, hey, Chuck, what do you think about this? I mean, that'd be kind of neat, wouldn't it? Like, but Chuck Swindoll is not even close to what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. Like, like Chuck's awesome, he's nothing in comparison to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God promises to teach us what we need to learn, what we need to know, what we need to do, where we need to go. And every single day, as this sanctification process, which by the way is a lifelong process of growing closer to God, every single day of our lives, of knowing more about Him, of being set apart in a world that is so messed up and so perverted and running in the wrong direction, like it's a lifelong process, and God's Word promises You're not going to have to figure this out on your own, because, man, you'd mess it up every time. So the Holy Spirit has the power, and He promises to convict and to convert and to change. He promises that He has the power to teach you along the way. But here's another great promise and another great power that we understand through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also has the power to protect, the power to protect you. Remember that verse I said a moment ago from John 10, 10, that thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy? Like, we know, like, Satan's out to get you. Man, we've talked about that a thousand times around here. Like, like the closer you are to God, man, it's like the bullseye gets bigger. Satan's aiming for you. We've said it so often, like, like Satan, you know, he is more powerful than you, right? But he's not more powerful than God, right? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Like, we know that truth. The Holy Spirit of God has the power to protect you. Again, we go back to Scripture, Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 13. Listen to these words. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Question for you. In the world in which we live, anybody here today like want to walk through this world with hope? Man, I think we see the news, and we see all the stories, and we see all the things that are happening. Like, man, yeah, I, I want hope, right? I mean, so often we, we get to the place where we feel hopeless in this world. But hey, no, no, no. God promises that you will overflow. And what does that word overflow mean? It means more than you could ever want, ask, or need. Overflow with hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I already shared it with you this morning. But you, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Like, like, like understand, not like power like lifting weights and getting stronger. You know, I'm not talking about like a little bit of muscles like to help you be able to lift a little bit more or, or maybe run a little bit further or be able to, you know, achieve a little bit greater tasks. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Holy Spirit, God of the universe, power that is promised to you. Like, it is not like, maybe you'll get it. It's not like, hey, if you figure out the secret code, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Indiana Jones, if you find the the right stone, like, I'm none of that stuff. Like, God promised through His Son, Jesus, like, you will receive power. And Satan's running around this world today, prowling around like a, a lion seeking whom he may devour. And here's what's really cool according to God's Word. He doesn't have a prayer. He doesn't have a chance against you, not because of who you are, because of what you can do, but here's why he doesn't have a chance. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He has the power to protect you. And there's never been a time in all of human history where we need more protection. Because the world is getting worse, and the Bible talks about that. You can read in 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy 4, like, like it's going to get bad. You say, man, it's bad now. It, it's going to get worse, right? I mean, it, it's not going to get better, right? And so the, the, the worse that it gets, the world goes further and further away from truth. Like, like to be honest with you, the more and more we're going to be aware of how much we truly need the protection of God in a world that is running so far away from Him. And here's what I want you to understand and and what I want you to be encouraged by today. God has promised the Holy Spirit for you. And the Holy Spirit has the power to protect you against anything that you will ever face. And the world can never throw anything your, your way that the Holy Spirit of God cannot protect you from. Is that encouraging to you today? Like, man, it's encouraging to me, and I'm a preacher. Like, but, but, man, that's such an encouraging statement. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So the moment that you come to Christ, right? The moment that you say, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died and that He rose again. I trust in Him. I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. In that moment, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard that word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believe, now listen to this in verse 14, and the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the grace, to the praise of His glory. That statement, like you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. I love that. In fact, that Greek word there is the Greek word sphorizo, which is literally the same word that is given over in Matthew chapter 27 when they sealed the tomb when Jesus was laid in it. You know, remember when, 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 when Pilate like told them, okay, go and seal the rocks, like seal it so that like no one will be able to get in and, and everyone will know, like no one has access, like it is sealed for now and forever. Same word. And so Pilate's idea is like, man, I'm going to lock this thing up so nobody can get in there. Nobody can steal the body, right? There can't be any trickery going on. Like, like that's the same word that we're given here is that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what's really cool. That rock that they put in front of the tomb 
didn't have a prayer against Jesus rising again, right? So Jesus rose, we get that, right? But when the Holy Spirit seals something, oh, you can count on it, you are sealed. You are marked. Like you are locked solid in the power of God. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple? And listen to this, this promise. And that the Spirit of God lives in you? John chapter 14, verse 17, second part of that verse. But you do know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you and will be in you. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, like when you came to that moment, you said, I believe, I call on the name of the Lord and you are saved. When you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, like you're sealed, you're marked, right? The Holy Spirit indwells you. He begins to protect you. He begins to teach you. He begins to walk with you. And listen, and you will never be without him. Ever feel alone? Ever walk through this world wondering, like, does anybody care? Is anybody going to help me through this situation? Feeling like maybe you've been abandoned by everyone? You haven't. Because God's word says this. You know him because he remains with you. And he will be in you. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit of God will never walk away from you. And I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how desperate it seems. I don't care how hopeless you might think things are. The Holy Spirit of God is with you every single step. The power to protect. But he's still not done. So he's got the power to convict and to convert and to change. The power to to teach us. The power to protect us. But also, he has the power to propel us. Okay? Look what it says in John chapter 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, Jesus said. And well, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The counselor is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him. We just read this a moment ago. Because he remains with you and will be in you. In other words, like the Holy Spirit of God is going to propel you to do the work that God has called you to do. I've asked you many times, like, how many want to know the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life. God has a plan for you, right? God wants to use you to do things that you can never do in your own power. And the Holy Spirit of God is with you and will propel you to that end. That's what Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we've already read it twice before. We're going to read it a third time, right? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then the second part, the propelling, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit of God is your power. He is with you. He indwells you. He strengthens you. He protects you. He teaches you. He moves you. And he propels you for what? To go out there and to tell the world about who Jesus is. Like, do we have that opportunity, but we have that responsibility to go out and to share with the world who Jesus is? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, verse 11, I'm sorry. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as He wills. Now, if you were to read that entire passage, and we're not going to do that today in the interest of time, but I would encourage you to go back and read it. Here's why. Because what that passage tells us is this is that the Holy Spirit of God is not only completely, totally, always active in your life, He's also active in your life, equipping you to do the work that God has called you to do. 
I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people like, man, I feel like God wants me to do this. Man, I just don't think I've got what it takes. Yeah, you do. Because God will never call you to something for which he also does not equip you. God will never put you in a work that he doesn't give you everything that you need to not only pull off the work, but to excel at the work. Like to knock it out of the stinking park. That is what the Holy Spirit of God will do in and through you. That is his promise that he will equip you. And so we go back to the Revelation chapter 2. Remember how far you've fallen. Repent. And you remember what repent means, right? Somebody tell me from last week, repent means what? A 180. Thank you for not saying 360. You learned, come on, right there, buddy. Awesome. He learned. He paid attention last week. That's great. So, so 180 degree turn. Remember how far you've fallen. Repent, 180 degree turn. And do. And how do you do? You can't do it on your own. But man, with the Holy Spirit of God, not only can you do it, in a submitted way, you will do it. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. What a gift. What a Savior. What a God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the encouragement that we have today of what you through your Spirit do in our lives. So God, I pray that today for all of us here, like we would understand that we would submit to that authority and that presence and that power because I know that even though the Holy Spirit indwells us when we become to you and we become saved, God, I also know there are a lot of people who as Christians get really good at ignoring the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that's what Revelation 2 really talks about. Remember. Remember that power that you have poured out into our lives. Repent of what has been taking us away from it. And do what you've equipped us and called us to do. God, I pray that that is what we would be passionate about. What we'd be committed to. And God, we give you the praise. And God, right now for that person out here that is at the beginning of that journey, that statement we talked about a few moments ago, the power to convict and to convert. God, I think maybe there might be someone here today or watching today that maybe is at that point in the journey. Like they feel that tug, like that they need to do something, that they need to respond because there's something that they think that they're missing, that they're not feeling that that thing that, God, we know is the presence of your spirit in their life. And so, God, I pray that today you would give them the courage to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, to convict, to convert, and to change. And God will give you the praise in the work that you're about to do. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, we're going to stand in a moment as our team gathers here at the front. We're going to stand and when we sing, we're, we're going to open this uh, altar and we're going to open the aisles and we just encourage you, like, if you feel that tug, man, don't ignore it. That's not manipulation by a preacher. That's not, you know, just like some thinking that maybe you're going to have a feeling and, you know, that's something you need to process and think through. Like, if you feel that tug at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit of God. Like, that's not me. 
That's not your husband or your wife, or it's not a friend. It's not like, you know, a family member that's been kind of push you to make a decision. And then no, it's the Holy Spirit of God that's doing the tugging right now. And don't ignore that. Please don't ignore that. And so in a moment when we stand, if you feel that today, that you need to come down to this altar, maybe, maybe to accept Christ, maybe to come for that moment of repentance, like I've been messing up, like I've not been walking the way that I need to walk and I want to do the 180 turn right now. Maybe I, I just need to come and, and just pray for, you know, rededication. Maybe I need to come and to pray for a family member or a friend. Or maybe I, I need to come for baptism. We talked about that today. Maybe I need to come to, to join with the, the family, the body of Christ. Like whatever that tug is that you feel, respond. Like act on it. Do what it is telling you to do. Because that is the Holy Spirit of God telling you, hey, it's time. So let's stand and we're going to sing and Scott is going to lead us. And as we do, the altar's open. Our team is here. We'd love to talk with you. Let's step out right now. Scott. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere, your glory. God, we thank you for the words that you speak to us. God, we thank you for the challenges that you extend to us through the presence of your spirit within us. And so God, help us to never ignore, help us to never like turn from, help us to never walk through life in opposition to the word and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. God, help us to be always cognizant of what you want to say always yielding to your calling and your command. And God, I know that if that is what we commit to do, Father, I know that you would do a great work in and through us. And God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory in all that you're going to do. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the empty tomb. Lord, help us to walk out of here with our heads held high. Because we know that today we do not walk out in our own power, but we walk out with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God that you promised. And for that, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our altar remains open. We invite you to come down and connect. All of our young adults, college students, just go right outside these doors, out into uh, the parking lot, over to my right, your left. Our team is out there, bagels and all the stuff. They'd love to connect with you. God bless you and have a, have a great day.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.